The following is a Red Apple Podcast Network presentation. They say this is a big, rich town. I just come from the poet's part. Bright light, city life, I gotta make it. Welcome to Dominic Carter's podcast. This is Dominic Carter's City Hall. Now, here's Dominic Carter. An emotional first responder September 11th exhibit that runs through the end of October at the New York City Fire Museum. Dominic Carter, Red Apple Podcast, Talk Radio 77, WABC. The 21st commemoration of 9-11 was held, but it's a subject that will live on forever the Americans that lost their lives, and the hero first responders that tried to save them. There is a photo exhibit going on at the New York City Fire Museum through the end of October about the first responders as their family members look back. Joining me on the podcast is the photographer on the project, Richard Weissel, in Australia. Thank you for appearing. Uh, Dominique, it's an absolute pleasure. So it's an honor to chat with you. Tell me about this project. Dominique, the idea came from a previous work I did in 2019, which is based on the Holocaust, but was really about the way people deal with trauma and how as individuals and how we can rationalize and work through our own trauma. Even though we coexist in a society, in a community, how do we as individuals work through bad stuff that happens to us, and how do we cope with that? So I spoke with the CDC, and then through a bunch of communications and emails, I end up talking to Tuesday's Children, the organization that represents survivors and military families, from September 11, and the rest was history. I took my team, and we end up photographing in New York last late last year. Wow, wow. And so to the average person listening to us right now, describe, Richard, what they will see. Basically, it's a series. At the moment, there's about six images at the New York City Fire Museum because we were basing them on families, that lost their husbands, their fathers, their partners during the course of that day in the Twin Towers. There are a series of black and white images. I shot them rather simply with the subject in the foreground, just a nice black and white cloth behind them, because I believe in simplicity of the work, and I wanted to tell that person's emotional journey through the image and using the language of photography to do that. So they're just very simple black and white images of the person, and I asked them on the day as well to please bring a personal item that was found or that was recovered from the site afterwards. And they usually brought a, their husband's helmet or their badge or a favourite photograph they have of their parent, their father, their mother that they lost on that day. We also did a short five-minute interview, so when you come, you can download a QR code and listen to their story as well, which I think is quite impactful and powerful. We are chatting with a photographer, Richard Wiesel, who is in Australia. And as we commemorate 
September 11th, the 21st year, he has an exhibit at the Fire Museum of New York. Richard, I have some specific questions for you, but as a journalist covering trauma, it's always tough for me. How tough was it for you as the photographer dealing with trauma of this magnitude of 9-11? That's an excellent question. And, you know, when I was doing the work with the Holocaust and I was working at the concentration camps where the items I was photographing, they belonged to people that 80 years earlier had marched past the very building I was standing in, that was very tough. This was very cathartic. And I'm not, you know, reducing or demeaning that person's experience, but they were sharing with me that, you know, their journey. And what I found through that was just this emotional, deepest form of respect for that person. And, you know, and I walked away from that with exactly what I wanted people to achieve is to look at another person's life and understand what they're going through and what we can learn from them. And I learned from them humility, understanding, and resilience. I'm never going to complain again standing in the wrong checkout line when the line next to me is going a little faster or being stuck in traffic for three extra minutes. I mean, those things that used to upset me no longer upset me. And these people don't want to be called heroes. But to me, they're heroes. And that's an Australian telling you, not an American. You know, I watched that on TV as a young man. I was watching on the news when it happened 21 years ago. So... It's quite amazing to have this journey over 21 years to now be talking to the actual families that were impacted directly on that day. It's amazing the paths that we are on in life. As I listen to what you just said, how did you actually select your subjects? So what I did when I approached Tuesday's children, I gave them the brief and I asked them, this is what we'd like to do. And Tuesday's children put out a call out to all their members and basically the people that turned up were the people that wanted to be photographed. And there was about 20 of them. Okay. So what were the common sentiments, if you will, that came across during the interviews? There was a lot. I mean, from the person's point of view, talking to me about their journey or just generally about the project, Dominique? From the person's journey, listening to them. <clears throat> I think they all just wanted to be heard. And they wanted to share their story with me. One story in particular, her name is Kate. You'll see her image there. Her dad was a firefighter lieutenant from the seaport. And because the firehouse is very close to the World Trade Center, he was one of the very first responders in. And unfortunately, you know, he died on the 78th floor of the South Tower when it collapsed. But for her, it gives her pride and strength knowing that he did something which was greater than himself, he died so that other people could live that day. It is truly remarkable when you think about the Port Authority officers, when you think about the police officers, certainly when you think about the fire department, the amount of firefighters that were lost, hundreds, 343, I believe is the number, somewhere in that, in that range. And it really is remarkable. What do you hope? people experience when they see your exhibit? I'm hoping that they'll walk away with a better understanding of what it is to exist in a society and how, as individuals, we can collectively come together and help each other work through stuff that's bigger than ourselves. 
And also, you know, Dominic, I, you know, looking at this work, there's a whole new generation of people that were not alive when this happened. So for them, it's like one giant history lesson. And it's something that we should never, ever forget. And you are so correct, Richard. A generation of young people that were not alive when this happened or were toddlers and have very little memory of the actual day. I'm curious as to what does it mean to you as a photographer on this project to present this exhibit in New York City and a short distance from the site of the 9-11 attacks? It's crazy to think that a little old photographer like me living 18,000 you know, miles away from ground zero, that a project like this, which was a personal project, I funded it myself, I did it myself with my amazing team, but it was really a project I just wanted to do to put online. I mean, to have, to me, it's a huge blessing and an honour that the New York City Fire Museum is hosting it. It's an honour that people are interested in seeing the images. I know there's some other exhibitions planned for later in the year to travel the US and hopefully outside of the US, even here to Australia, because it's a global tragedy. It happened, you know, we all saw it around the world. It wasn't just New York that was impacted terribly so. Globally, we all suffered with New York City together in the world at that time. So for me, it's like, I don't know, it's just a complete blessing if that doesn't sound too contrite. It's just an honour to be able to do this work and to meet these people. They're just all incredible human beings, all of them. And your exhibit is going to run through October, is that correct? That is correct, right through the month of October. And then hopefully it will be picked up by other museums and exhibition spaces, and it will travel through the U.S. with the entire body of images, which make up about 20 or so images. Where were you at the time? I believe you said you were watching television. Am I correct here, Richard? Yeah, Dominique. I was at home in Sydney. It was, I think it was around late at night, like 10 p.m. our time, because, you know, we're ahead of the U.S. time zone wise. And I watched the first plane and it was like, oh, my God, what a tragedy. I can't believe that happened. And then shortly after the second plane and then immediately I looked at my wife and I had two very young children and like babies. I said, Sandy, the world is now changed forever. And indeed, the world has changed. But sometimes it's almost like the world is small, even though it's humongous. And the reason why I say that, Richard Wiesel, a photographer joining us from Australia, is because the world changed forever. But here it is all these years later, you as a photographer are directly involved with some of the families of 9-11. Correct. And I met a few of them. I'd love to meet them all. And like I said, they don't want to be called heroes. But when I hear what they've gone through and how they're dealing with their story, another lady, Andrea was her name, you know, she was telling me during the interview that her husband was lieutenant in the fire department. and He was called down to Twin Towers and he was sent to the Marriott Hotel, which was then called World Trade Center 3. And basically, while he was evacuating the hotel, one of the towers fell directly onto the Marriott destroying the entire building, if we all recall. And not only her husband, but the entire firehouse perished that day, except for one member who was called out sick. So I don't know. Imagine having to live with that, not just as Andrea, but that one member that 
just by the sheer fate of God, you were at home sick. You now have to remember your dead comrades. And I would have not, I could imagine that person would have wanted to be in there with his, with his fellow and, firefighters. And, 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 and it's a memory that individual has to go through annually, every single year. As we look back 21 years later, I'm in New York, you're in Australia. What is the reaction from your perspective all these years later in Australia to what happened on 9-11? Is it still a big story? What happens in terms of how people are interacting or thinking about what occurred? Every year there's a memorial here in Australia. There's always a news item. There's always many items around it. I think individually the people that were alive, like myself and others at that day, we stop and we take reflection on what happened. And we stand, as we always have done, over the many, many decades, shoulder to shoulder with our friends in the US. We're a democracy like you are, and we believe in the same values that you do. And when we look back on this, we basically, I think we grieve with you universally. Fair enough. And in a minute or two, I'm going to be wrapping this up. But I'm just curious. Let me go full circle, if you will. Why did you pair the photos with interviews? I thought it was a beautiful thing to do, to hear the person's story. And I also wanted to give the images just that extra dimension. Because I can go so far, like I said, with my images and people. I want them to look at them. We don't have frames around them. I'm encouraging, the curator is going to kill me for saying this. I encourage people to go up and touch the images and just feel the emotion that they can see through that person's eyes. But to hear their story, I mean, we spoke for 30 minutes and we had to cut it down to about five to seven minutes. So to hear that person's story in seven minutes, I think is encouraging that person to think deeply and engage deeply with what they're seeing and hearing and the story behind that person or behind that picture. Joining us right now on the podcast is Richard Wiesel, a photographer in Australia. As we speak, his exhibit is running at the New York City Fire Museum titled One Day in September and highlights the work of first responders. So my last question for you, Richard, going full circle just talk to me one more time about why this is important to you. What did you learn from this? And what do you believe the public will learn from this? The whole project was round about talking about people collectively and their suffering. And I wanted to understand how people can work through trauma and grief. And I think it's important a whole range of people to understand that, to learn from other people's experiences. And as we live in a global society, I think it's important to understand how we are impacted by other people's trauma and other people's grief. So I just hope that my selection of images will give people some thought and they'll walk away and they'll discuss what they've seen and they'll share that with other people and then they'll come and see it and they'll share it with other people. And like we said before, Dominique, you know, there's a whole generation of people now that were little or not born that really need to go down and understand what happened and where we've come from and where we're going. Well, Richard, we I, I, I thank you for your work as a photographer, what you've done in terms of recording history 
and helping people to tell their stories. As we started out this conversation, a very traumatic experience that will stay with them for the rest of their natural lives. And you had the very difficult job of doing this in a very sensitive way. And I just tip my hat to you because it's a great exhibit. And we thank you so much for joining us. Dominic, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Richard Weissel, the photographer on the project, joining us from Australia. That wraps up this podcast. And folks, if you are interested in my book on my life growing up in New York City and overcoming numerous obstacles or my bobblehead doll, you can go to my website, DominicCarterOnline.com or one word, DominicCarterOnline.com. You can catch me on 77 WABC weeknights, midnight to 1 a.m., Go check out the Dominic Carter merchandise at the 77 WABC store from Dominic Carter t-shirts to hats and much more. Go to WABCRadioStore.com. Dominic Carter, Red Apple Podcast, 77 WABC. Dominic Carter Socials on Twitter at Dominic TV and Facebook and Instagram. Dominic Carter TV. Email at Dominic.Carter at WABCRadio.com. Until the next episode, be well. And as Dominic always says, stay positive. The glass is always half full, never half empty. Dominic Carter City Hall. City Hall.